Years ago when I was in high school, one of my friends, their family had done real well in business and they decided that they, his parents had decided that they were going to build the house of their dreams. So they found the place, they found the lot, they found the, a, a builder that was building and they, they did the architectural drawings and you know I mean, they, they were going in, they, they were at the age of life that they had saved the money, they were successful enough and they wanted a, a house that they could live in the rest of their life. And they begin to draw and design and then they begin to build. It was a beautiful house. It was a beautiful house. They were so excited about it, they loved it. And after a few years though, something happened. It began to shift. It began to sway. The walls were no longer straight. They literally had to condemn the house. Because what they didn't realize is the builder never went deep enough to hit a foundation. And so it looked good when they built it. The materials were good. The carpenters did the right job. The electricians did a great job. The architect did the, a great job. But what they didn't do correctly because of time or money or whatever is they didn't go deep enough to hit a foundation. And so everything they built on didn't stand. And it literally swayed. It was in the news. This is a long, long time ago, many years ago. Because this beautiful house, and I remember going through it before when they were trying to get whatever they could to get out. It was almost like a, a theme park house. Have you ever been in those where you walk and the walls are leaning and the floors are tilting? I mean, in one space, from one room to another, there was a space literally like a three-foot spread where the floor had gone down. Because the foundation wasn't set. We can work real hard to get everything built in our life correctly. And if we can use the right materials, we can have the right intentions, we can do the right process. But if we don't build on a foundation that lasts, when things begin to move, it doesn't stay. Jesus said it that way. He said it this way. He said, anybody who hears my words and does them is as a person who builds a house on the Talk to me, church, on the what? On the rock. And when the storms come, and the winds, and the waves beat against it, it will stand. See, what you got to realize is even when you are building on the rock, it doesn't mean there will not, it doesn't mean that there won't be storms in life. But anyone who hears my words and don't do them is as a person who builds a house. Looks good. Opening day is great. First night is wonderful. First month is wonderful. First year is wonderful. But if it's not built on the rock and it's built on the stand, on sand, when the storms come, great is the fall. Right. Nobody wants that. So last week I, I started with a message, and the Lord just kept it in my heart. We talked about the context of Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas were in Acts 16, Paul and Silas were in prison. They had been beaten, they were chained, and they were in prison. The inner prison. Say the inner prison. That, I mean, when, if you're going to jail, that's the worst it can get. And the Bible says that at the midnight hour, again, challenge everything I say with the word of God. It's not my words, it's God's word that makes a difference. Thanks for coming, Rob. So, at the midnight hour, 
they begin to sing praises unto God. And this, the Bible says, and the other people in the prison, the other prisoners heard them. The guard was asleep. And it, all of a sudden an earthquake came and shook the foundation of the prison. And the doors opened. And the chains fell off. Now I'm, I'm utilizing that illustration because from the context of our life. Because many times we look at the things we want to build on. But what if we built on some stuff or the enemies built on stuff in our life that we need removed? See, now, two things was hindering them. Number one was the chains, which means they, can't, they had no freedom to get up and move. But if you remove the chains out of their life, they could walk around, but they were still in a prison. See, some people, nobody here in Jesus' name, but if we're going to be real, sometimes we'll find ourselves in life. We go to church, we love God, but we've, we are limited. We can move around a little bit, but we miss the door of opportunities that God brings into our life. We see them, many times we see them too late, or we see them after someone went through it, and we're kind of like, oh, you know, the Lord really placed that on my heart to do that. Mm, I can't believe they did it. Well, they jumped on it, we waited on it, and a hindrance sometimes, many times in our walk with God, is not the enemy opposing us or God being for us. A lot of times it's the foundation of our belief system that hinders us from walking through and making the decisions and the choices. Choose whom this day you will serve, the Bible says. It's a choice of life. And for some, it, they don't see the opportunities. They can move around. They have freedom, but they don't see it. Some, they see the opportunities, but they don't have any ability to, to make that decision. Ooh, I see the opportunity. If only I could take a step. Peter was like, Lord, if that's you, I'm in a boat. I've always been in a boat. I've never walked on water. I'm a professional fisherman. I know it's impossible, but I see you do doing something I've never seen before. See, when God leads you, it's a journey. He told the disciples, follow me and I will make you. We want God to make us before we follow him and his word. But it's in the process of following him and his word that enables us to become who he's called us to become. We want God to do it, but we don't want to go through the obedient process of following him. Because to follow his word means we have to walk it out by faith. To walk it out by faith means that we have to be able to stand on something that we're not comfortable with. Maybe we've never stood on before. Maybe we've never met anybody standing on it. But all of a sudden we see Jesus walking on it. And Peter said, Lord, if that's you, call me out because I want to stand where you're standing. I want to walk where you're walking. I want to live where you're living. I want to do what you're doing. I want to hear what you're hearing. It'll change your whole Christian life when you quit evaluating everyone around you as your standard of Christian walk and begin to say, Lord, I'm so hungry for you that I'm going to dig into the Word and spend time in prayer because I want to hear what heaven's hearing. I want to see what heaven is seeing. I want to do what heaven is doing today. I want to live the way heaven's living. You're the one that said, Jesus, in my prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Father on earth as it is in heaven. That's choosing to create a standard or perspective that I just don't want to live just because I've lived that way. Why does my tomorrow have to be like my yesterday? Why does my tomorrow have to look like my family's yesterday? Why does my tomorrow 
tomorrow have to look like anybody else's just yesterday. I, I, they, they might be a great example. We applaud that. But why don't we begin to say, Lord, you can do anything. There is no limit to you. Why do I allow the limitation of myself to define my future and potential? We need to say, God, I've never walked on water. In fact, I've jumped out of the boat before Peter could say, and I had to learn how to swim the hard way. And some of you are like, if you jump out of the boat, you're going under. But all of a sudden, you get a vision of what Jesus is doing. You get a revelation. You're not stepping out of the boat because you heard that Jesus walked on the water. You're not stepping out of the boat because you heard Peter walked on water. Are you listening to me? There's some depth in that. You don't walk, step out of the boat because you heard somebody has done it. You walk out of, you step out of the boat because you see. You get the revelation, the perception that Jesus is on the water. A lot of us try to imitate what other people have done that went well. And you could do that, but you have to be the one responsible for making it work. But when you begin to get an insight, a revelation, what Jesus is doing, Lord, if you're on the water, I want to be on the water. Call me out. Call me out. There's, you have, that, that is not for the weak at heart. That is not for the, the one that is secure within the status quo of I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to shake anything. I want to keep it safe. I want to know for sure. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to make a mistake. Listen, you're going to make mistakes in life. I'd rather make a mistake trying than make a mistake sinning. Come on, somebody. I'd rather make a mistake serving than... Lord, I, I thought that was you. I, I guess I did. I'm still growing in this. I'm going to figure that. Okay, I thought that was you. I tried to do it. It wasn't you. I'm learning. I repent for making a mistake. I'm going to keep trying, though. I'm not going to give up. It's okay to make a mistake when, you're, when your heart's right and you're trying to obey God. If someone ever says, no, you missed it, don't worry about it. Just say, okay, that's between you and Jesus, and don't quit. Don't quit trying. I don't know who I'm speaking to. Don't quit trying. You might have made, oh man, I, I thought I was supposed to invite that person to church and they just said no and never would come. I guess I made a mistake. Maybe, maybe not. And if you did make a mistake, don't quit trying. Keep, keep learning. Keep growing. I don't mind mistakes. I look for progress. I believe God looks for progress, not perfection. Can I get an Amen. And so there, it will change your way of living when you begin to say, God, I don't want to follow, and don't misunderstand me, and I, if I offend you, please forgive me. God, I don't want to live based on the standard of a denomination's told me life should be. I tell you, it, it will rock your boat to begin to set aside the things that you're comfortable and secure in your whole life. We're getting ready to come to a 60-year anniversary, and my mom's in the house, my dad's in heaven, my, they pastored, they pastored for 40 years, but they pastored Hope Church for 38 years. They, they took it over when there was about four families, had a church split. Can you imagine? You split eight, somebody thought it was a good idea with eight-family church to split it. <laughs> I'm going to do my own thing, so I'm going to get four families to follow me. Really? Okay, that's your life ambition. Good for you. Just, Silliness that happens in the church sometimes, unfortunately. But they, they had, uh, were actually working on redoing and publishing a book that they had written many years ago about their life experience. Because my dad was fundamental Baptist. Say, thank God for the Baptist. Come on. My mom was Assembly of God. Say, thank God for the assemblies. They met in Springfield. They were both in Bible school. 
Both felt like God told them that's when you're going to marry. They got married. Now they've got a little dilemma because Baptists don't believe in speaking in tongues. <laughs> Assemblies believe in speaking in tongues. And yet they're married. And so my mom just decided, well, he's going to be, he's the pastor. I'm not going to create an issue. He's working on a dissertation on why speaking, of the, speaking in the prayer language of speaking in tongues is no longer for today. It was for the early church. And while he's working on this, all of a sudden some things started changing. I'm not going into detail because you wouldn't want to buy the book. So, <laughs> a little marketing plug right there just by accident. <laughs> but long story short, all of a sudden a hunger happened. He, he ended up getting hungry and experiencing God and getting the baptism. And he didn't want to push it because, you know, it doesn't go well to the organization when you're Baptist and you're licensed Baptist and you start speaking in tongues. Now, listen, I, I don't know where you are in your journey. If you don't believe in speaking in tongues, that's fine. Put it on the back burner. You know what I mean? It's, at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. Right. We love people regardless if they totally agree with us or agree with us because I found in life nobody totally agrees with me on everything. Right. Not even my wife. Although I'm working on her one day. <laughs> Come on, lighten up a little bit. And so, they're going through this process, and a hunger organically happened within the hearts of the people. And so, they begin to have Bible studies behind the scenes and pray for people. And people were getting slain and getting the baptism, and they didn't want to bring it to the Sunday morning because they didn't want to freak everybody out and get in trouble with the organization. And they found themselves in a place, and this is in the late 60s. Ooh, yep. And they found themselves in a dilemma God, what are you doing? We can't be Baptist now. We can't be assembly. Because he wasn't, my dad wasn't licensed under assemblies. Who are we? What are we doing? Now, moving forward, historically, we know that historically it's now identified as the charismatic renewal. If you've ever heard of that. And that's where the phrase, a charismatic church, or non-denominational churches. And Hope Church... My mom and dad went through that process. They were the first in the state of Missouri to become, go from denomination to non-denomination. Right. And a couple of my dad and his pastor friends were going through their process. Joel Osteen's dad, John Osteen, and my dad were friends, and they were going through that same process back in the 60s of becoming. But what, what was the characteristic was they were so hungry for God that they wanted him more than they wanted the comfort zone of what they understood. It's an amazing heritage, and there's my mom, wave if she can see me, mom, wave, everybody wave to my mom, stand up, wave there, she's over there, she's back there, I don't know if she can, can you stand up and wave, or are you back there, everybody's waving, can she stand up, maybe not, okay, there she is, thank you mom. They, they had a hunger on the inside for the things of God more than they did the things that they understood. That's a whole nother level of living. Right. When you're like, I'm not, it, it's not, and listen, it's not being weird. There are just some weird people in the world. It is what it is. We don't use them as the standard. But they're a, a burning, a desire on the inside, God, I want what you have for me. See, greed is wanting what doesn't belong to you that belongs to somebody else. That's not what we're talking about. That's what I, I don't believe that's what prosperity is. Wanting stuff over God. Right. It's wanting God so much that you'll lay anything down. Yes. And he blesses you beyond what you can even imagine or think of because he knows that you want him more than that stuff. Right. Right. 
and have a desire in your heart, God, I want you, even if I don't understand that next season, Something about a desire in the heart of people that we say, you know what, I've been raised this denomination and I don't know what church you came out of or grew up and we applaud, praise God, at least you're in church. But we have to be real. All of us have been exposed to some maybe not biblical teaching. We know what the church believed or the denomination believed, but we, didn't, we never took time to check it out in the Bible. And it doesn't make us bad people. But my point be, what can happen is in life, in the journey of life, is we can get to a place that we want more from God, but the hindrance is not the enemy. The hindrance is the foundations that we believe that are not based on the Bible. And it's, it's a tough process to say, God, if there's anything in me, that's what David said, search my heart. One translation says, like a book. And if there's anything displeasing to you, show me so I can walk the right path. Because too many of us, too many people, Christians in the Christian world, we we are secure within the, the confines, the support systems of what we have come up the ranks in. And we don't really know the word. And the word is what produces life by the spirit of God. Yes. For the law, without the Holy Spirit, produces death. But the law and the, and the Spirit produces life. The Word produces life when the Holy Spirit's in it. And it's learning to get to the place of God. I want you so much that I'm willing for you to shake the foundations of my life that are not based on your Word. Yes. Not the foundation of God's Word, because that's unshakable. But Lord, if there's areas of my belief and my perspective and my attitude and my reaction and my action and my choice in the way I do life, if there's something that I'm building on that's not in line with your word, show me. Because I would rather, I don't know about you, I would rather have that foundation shaken early in the process of building than later in the process of building. Right? You, you don't want to build a 40-story mansion. Woo, isn't that a wonderful life? And have to start again. Nobody wants that. Lord, shake the foundations that's not based on your word. And I believe what happens if we don't do that, what, then we miss the opportunities that God's trying to get us to step through. Or we miss the ability to step through be, the opportunities. We either don't see the opportunity or we don't have the ability or desire to, to pursue it. And we miss what God has for us. Because... The human tendency for all of us is to think that the level that we are at right now is the best level that God has for us. And I'm here to tell you that's not the case. In Jesus, you ought to write this down, in Jesus the best is always yet to come. You want to know when you've hit the epitome of you can't go any farther? When you're in eternity. Enoch walked with God and then all of a sudden he got to the place that he walked and that he was no longer, which means he stepped over in eternity. I'm a firm believer that if I can feel my hands when I'm slapping it, if I've still got this flesh thing and if I'm on this side of eternity, I have room to learn, I have room to grow, I have room to act, I have room to go, I have things to do, I got people to reach, I got things to learn, I got things to receive. God's not done with me. As long as you're breathing on this side of eternity, there is levels that God has in destiny because you look check it out through scripture when people got to the place that fulfilled their destiny it was time to go Paul didn't say, I fought a good fight, I have finished the race, I'm going to an island I bought, and I'm just going to chill out and just relax the rest of my days. No, he was like, I'm done. 
They're like, you can't go to Jerusalem. They're going to kill you. He goes, I know what's going on, but I finished my race. I'm going. I'm done. When you're done with the destiny of life, especially like with ministers, we can't retire. We might change in our ministry. But if you're a minister and God's called you to full-time ministry, you're going to be ministering the rest of your life. You might have a different title or different position, and that's okay. But the thought of, oh, I'm retiring, I'm just going to stop preaching, and I'm, no, you might as well, no, you better keep preaching, you better keep praying for people, you better keep doing what God's called you to do, because the, uh, that's just my belief. You can disagree. My belief, people say, what are you going to do to retire? I'm not going to retire. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing until I go to heaven. That's, you know what I mean? My prayer is that I go to heaven while I'm preaching, not to freak you out, but I just figure, why should I do it like anybody else, Right? I'll be standing here and going like this, and all of a sudden, I'll stop moving. You're like, well, that's a long point. What is he thinking? Someone says, ooh, you better call somebody. He's not even breathing anymore. He's, and I'll have a smile on my face. Come on, somebody. I, I don't want to go to heaven like everybody else. Might as well do it. If you're going, you might as well. I figure if, if you're going to go on the trip, let's do it in class. Let's do it in style, right? You can disagree. That's between you and Jesus. So... But getting back to my point, foundations can dictate how we see life, how we do life, how we make choices. Sometimes we jump in things that we should never have jumped in, and we spend years trying to recover from that. Sometimes we, we don't step when God tells us to step, and we miss the opportunities and it takes years to recover. Proverbs says it this way, tw- uh, chapter 21, verse 2, Amplified. Every man's ways are what? Talk to me, church. Every man's ways are, we'll fill that up on the screen in a few seconds. Every man's ways are what? Every man's ways or everybody's choices or everybody, the way they do life is. It didn't say everybody's ways are right if they're a certain denomination. No, every person's ways are right. Saint and sinner. Assembly, Baptist, Church of God, Church of God in Christ. Every person's ways are right in their own perspective. And you can live your whole life knowing I am right. And have areas of your life that's not biblically right. And hinder, it doesn't mean you're a bad person, it doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It just means you could be hindering yourself in an area where you don't need to be hindered that God's called you to freedom. Oh, are you saying I'm a bad person because I'm going through challenges? No, Jesus said in this world you'll deal with trials and tribulations. But be of good cheer, I've overcome. But what, what we, if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll create a scenario, a foundation that will begin to allow the devil to create this perspective, a scenario where we'll begin to believe the way the world believes, the way the religious believe. The way the religion has taught us to believe. And so I want to close with three foundations that need need to be uprooted for us to go to the the next level that God has for us. Three foundations that all of us will need to deal with from time to time in our life. This is not when you get saved and it's done. No, this is just a rhythm of life, growing in the things of God. First one. Are you ready? Let me read, let me give you a a context of a verse. Matthew 16, verse 5 through 12, New Living. Later, after talking about Jesus and disciples, later after they crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered that they had forgotten to bring any bread. 
Watch out, Jesus warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. At this they begin to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, you have so little faith, why are you arguing with each other about not having any bread? Don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with the loaves and the baskets and the leftovers you picked up? Or the 4,000 I fed with the seven loaves and the large baskets of leftovers you picked up? Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? So again, I say, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then at last they understood that he wasn't speaking about the yeast in the bread, but about the deceptive teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Three foundations we need to be uprooted from time to time in our life. Number one, the foundation of bad experience. The foundation of bad experience. In the context of the story, we know something happened. What? Jesus began to teach them something, but they allowed the, the word that they were hearing to be filtered by the problem they were experiencing. They realized they didn't bring any bread. So when Jesus said, beware of the yeast, or excuse me, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, you know what they thought? Oh, he knows we didn't bring any bread. They lined the teaching up with their experience. And that can be very dangerous. I'm not saying apply the word to your life. I'm saying this, don't interpret the word by your life. Many people will define the word of God, interpret the word of God, interpret a message based on their own experiences, especially bad experiences. People say, oh no, God doesn't heal anymore. Why do you believe that? Because that's the way my church teaches. That was for the early church, the disciples, apostles, to help get things started. So God used it to help get things started, and once it got started, I guess he decided, well, you don't need it anymore. Like, nobody gets sick anymore. <laughs> and they believe it. They believe it with all their heart. And if you believe it with all your heart, that's where your faith is. Right. And according to your faith, be it unto you. Why do they believe it? Because somewhere, if you go back in time, someone had somebody that they knew, or they themselves, or somebody they were praying for, and they prayed, and they didn't get healed. And they walked away from an experience of someone dying, and they thought, this healing stuff in the Bible doesn't work anymore. Because I know somebody who knew somebody who had somebody who was sick and they were good Christian and they taught Sunday school for 40 years and they got sick and Jesus didn't heal them. So I know healing doesn't work anymore. What are they doing? They are taking the word and interpreting it. Don't shout me down. They are taking the word and defining it by their own experience. And when you define the word by your experience, the devil will make sure that you don't get a good foundation on it. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the Bible says that the Bible is the sure foundation. It, maybe it didn't work the way you thought it worked, but that's not the Bible's problem. That's our learning experience. We need to figure out what we missed. Because Psalms 119, he has elevated his word above his name. He watches over his word to perform it. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away before the word fails. Isaiah 55, 11 says, as the word goes forth, it will not return void. What is it? The word is the final authority. Say with me, the word is the final authority. So if you had, if you prayed for 20 people and they all died, do you know what? Jesus is still a healer. Not because they got healed or didn't get healed, but because his word says so. Right, right. 
Because his word. And what we have to do is if it's not working and it should work in our life, he sent his word and healed them. It should work. But if it's not working, there's something on our side that we need to figure out. Seek first. Make a priority how his kingdom works. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added unto you. We receive by faith and patience, Hebrews 6.12. They obtain the promises of God through faith, Hebrews 11.33. We have to get the word in our heart and in our life, Joshua 1, 6 to 10, and then we'll make our way prosperous and be of good success. What do we have to do? It's not the word's fault. We have to get to the place saying, God, if you say it in your word and you reveal it to me, then I know your word is the final authority, and heaven and hell will, will pass away, but your word will not fail. Romans 4, Abraham was fully persuaded that the God who made the promise was well able to do it. It even says in that verse, in that chapter, that he did not consider his own body now a hundred years nor the deadness of Sarah's womb why because he was fully persuaded growing getting stronger in faith that the God who made who said who spoke to him the promise was the God who would make it happen you got to get to a place of God I don't feel it it don't look like it it seems impossible and everybody tells me just to curse you and die but Job said I cannot curse them I have to love I have to serve because he is the ultimate authority. He's not the one that puts sickness on you. He's not the one stealing, killing, and destroying. For John 10, 10, Jesus said there is a thief who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. you got to get to a place that I'll not deny him. If he said it, I'll believe it. If I never see it on this side of eternity, when I get to the other side of the eternity, guess what? You still win. He is the final authority. Now, some, some of us will wait till we get to the other side of eternity to begin to see the fullness of it. But the good news is you can receive it on this side of eternity. Can I get an amen? We do it by faith. His word is the final authority. His word. That's why Romans says that we are men and women of faith. We're not moved by what we feel, hear, or see. And every time the enemy tries to get you to renegotiate the promise of his word in alignment with the, pr the problems and experiences, he's trying to get you to build your Christian life. That Christian might be your marriage. It might be your health. It might be your finances. And you might be feeling pain. And the devil says, see, it don't work. Don't look. Don't, 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 don't look and don't lean on the arm of the flesh. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. We have to be like Abraham who did not lean, did not depend on what he could do. And it might look bad in you. And you can say, well, I'm so glad it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. Oh, you'll never walk again. I'm so glad it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. Amen. It's okay to doubt your doubts. Yes. Oh, I, I doubt that will ever happen. Well, I doubt that, I, that, that doubt's even right. It, it, one way or the other, it's faith. You either believe what you don't see, that bad things are going to happen, or you believe what you don't see, that God's word is true and good things are going to happen. Amen. Some of us, we believe what we don't see, the worst case scenario that the devil's told us, and we'll begin to tell people, oh, I just know bad things are going to happen. I just, you know, I got everybody in my family. No one makes, no one survives a marriage. They all, someone's going to kill each, kill the other, or they're going to get divorced. That's just the way it is. And, I mean, they've just been married two hours. What are they doing? They believe they receive a negative report right. and not a good report. 
Say bad experience. Bad experience. Wow. Matthew 13 says it this way. The seed of the word that was planted in the rocks were the ones who received the seed with gladness, but because there was no root in themselves. When the sun came up, when the pressure came up because of the word's sake, they withered and died. Are you listening to me? I want to move to the next point, but I want you to get this. One of the dangers in your walk with God, and there's nothing because of God, it's because of the humanity side, is if we're not careful, we allow experience to define the truth of the word. Bad experience, good experience. No, the word is the word. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. Even when you don't feel him, even when you do feel him, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a better amen? amen? But some live purely on the surface of experience and emotions. Yeah. There's no depth. The root system, when it goes down below the surface, you don't see it, but it taps into the life that's available. The yeah. nutrients, the water. So that if it doesn't rain and it gets dry and hot on the surface, it still has access to water. Yes. Some of us are Christian walkers. We think, hear me, I don't want to say this quickly and be misunderstood. Sometimes Christians believe that that's being led by the Spirit. By being led by impulse. Come on. Okay? And there's something deeper than, in that in the being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit doesn't mean you're just going here and there everywhere all the time. I've had people say, oh, you know, I wake up every Sunday and the Holy Spirit shows me what church to go to. That's foolishness. That's not being led by the Spirit. Right. It's getting quiet. <laughs> God wants us to be led by the Spirit. Right. But it doesn't mean hearing voices and being goofy. That's why we've got to grow out of that. I'm not, I'm not diminishing. We've got to keep it in the middle. We don't go to extremes. Some people are like, well, it's all about the Word and there's no experience. No, you should be experiencing the presence of God. You should experience the love and the joy of the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. Yes. You should experience the power and the presence of God. I, I'm concerned about anyone who says you shouldn't have any experience with God. But some take the level of experience and they no longer have the word. Right. And they're just floating around just looking for a wind to direct them. And James says that's very dangerous because they get knocked around by every wind of doctrine. Right. They believe this and they believe that. There's no root system. So you have to have the balance. It's, it's not the Holy Spirit without the Word. It's not the Word without the Holy Spirit. Jesus waited for the Holy Spirit. It's getting quiet. He was, John 1, he was full of grace and truth. Yes. Grace without the Word creates confusion. Oh, everything's a go. God still loves me. Well, yeah, he still loves you, but you're on your way to hell. Truth without grace becomes very judgmental. And people have killed each other in the church world over that. We need both. Say, we need both. So I won't be long with the second and third. So just chill out. Your, your restaurant will be open. Where are we at on time? Oh, I got four minutes left. Watch this. Let's see where your faith's at. So if I don't get in time, it's your faith, not mine. It's your problem. No. Okay, bad, say bad experience. Second one, foundation needs to be uprooted and from time to time in our life, is a lack of teaching, a lack of the understanding of the word. Hosea 4 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Sometimes it's not that we, we have a bad perspective. Sometimes we don't have any teaching on that area. 
But that's why we're to study to show ourselves approved. Amen. You have to dig in the word. Well, I'll just wait and let pastor teach it. And if, it's, if you don't teach it, that's what I'm building my life. Listen, you're, if you're building your life on 52 meals a year, You need to be digging. That's why I love the culture we've created. And one of those things is that we challenge you to challenge the word. Get in the word, you and the Bible and yourself. Do it in a small group if you want to. But you need to challenge the word. Grow. Get hungry for the things of God. Get hungry for the things of God. And dig into the word. We need the word of God. We need the word of God. We need the word of God. And sometimes our, our problem is that our lack of teaching, we haven't heard. And so we just jump to the conclusion of what we think you only hear, physiologically, scientifically, you only hear half of what people are saying to you. 50%. So if you're having a conversation with somebody, they only hear half. And if you're talking to your husband, one third. Come on, men. We know it's true. We don't want to admit it. We have the great ability to change remote, communicate, and not even know. I used to have to tell my staff, they were like, you had me do this. I'm like, huh? Did I have your eyes? No, you're looking at the screen. I said, I have no idea what I even had a conversation with you. I was, my mind was on something. If, if you want an answer from me, get eye contact. Because right. if you don't have my eyes, I could talk to you all day. I don't know what I agreed to or what I did. Please don't use that to manipulate me down the road against me. But it, I, you know what I mean? Some of us, we just can do that. You know what I mean? We have to get eye contact. Some of you got to get in the, in the face of Jesus and begin to say, Lord, I'm going to get in your word. And I want to know, I need to know what you're saying to me. We need teaching. So the tendency is we can fill in the gaps. I've had people come up and say, I said something, I'm like, I didn't say that. That's not what I said. That, that was the main point. That's not what I said. They heard half. They filled it in with what they thought I was saying. I mean, I had, real quick, you got an interesting story? This happened many years ago, so they're not in this house. So, uh, and so I, I did a message, and in, I guess in a passing moment, in the moment I had talked about, you know, in life, if you make a mistake, and sometimes the devil will try to beat us down, that God wants to free you from that, and you don't have to live with that. Well, I had some guy that following week reach out to me. His wife took that message and told him, you're my mistake. And pastor says, I don't need to live with this, and asked for a divorce. Pastor didn't say that. <laughs> pastor wasn't even in that ballpark. Right, right, right. But you know what she heard? What she wanted to hear. Okay. Lack of teaching. Lack of teaching. Lack of teaching. Lack of teaching. The disciples, what they did, they were having a, a lack of teaching. They needed, going back to that one verse in verse 9, says, Jesus said, don't you even understand yet? So he had given them revelation. He didn't spell it out. A lot of times we like things spelled out, but the best thing you have to understand about the word of God is that and the reason Jesus did that is because he depended on the Holy Spirit to give revelation of what he was saying. So they misunderstood. They, were, they interpreted the thing of beware of the, the leaven of the Pharisees, Sadducees, and their first response is, oh, he, knew, he knows we didn't bring bread. So they used their experience to define and interpret the word of God. Mistake one. He came back and said, don't you understand? And then he began to, <clears throat> excuse me, he began to teach them. So they still didn't get it. And after he gave him the illustration, the teaching, he said, I'm going to say it to you again. You know, I, I believe it's okay to say to the Lord, Lord, say it to me again. Yes. 
I'm a little dense today. I didn't catch it. I know you're wanting to, I'm, I'm missing something. Say it to me again. So he, he kind of eliminates, I'm not talking about bread. So I, again, I'm saying to you, be aware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So they needed better teaching. And it says, then at last they understood that he wasn't speaking about the yeast and the bread, but about the deceptive teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. The last thing I want to bring up to that we need to deal with is, and pray that God uproots out of our lives, is foundations of bad teaching. And that might be from bad people. And there are bad people in the world. There are bad people in the church world. I'm just being honest with you. The Bible even says that the devil can show up as an angel of light. He's deceptive. Now, some people are, are bad because they are just, they're purposely manipulating people for their own consumption and, and benefit. And they'll deal with it. Some people are, you might say they're bad, and that's maybe a harsh word, because they themselves are deceived and they don't realize they're teaching something that's out of alignment with the word. But the effect is still the same in our lives. We need to pray, Lord, give me understanding. I don't want to have, is this helping anybody? I don't want any bad teaching in my life. Jesus said that the Father will uproot anything that he has implanted. It's okay to say, Father, speak to my life. Teach me your word, through your word. Have my mind be renewed and so I can be transformed. Because I don't want bad teaching in my life that becomes a hindrance. Because if I've grown up believing that God puts sickness on me, my daughter's at the age now, and over the past few years, and she'll pick up stuff. She goes to a Christian school, but even then, they'll say stuff with such authority. And she's like, Dad, that don't sound right. And then we begin to have these conversations. And you know one of the biggest things that you hear in denominational churches? The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to smack somebody upside their <laughs> silly head. I was at a, I was, many years ago, I think it was Devin at his college graduation, and they got up and they began to do like a 10-minute spiel about someone who was use, utilizing this verse, how the, uh, one of the students had cancer, and he kept saying how God put cancer on him, and I was like, I was getting mad. I looked at my wife and said, if he says, if he blames Jesus one more time, I think I'm going to walk down in this 10,000-seat auditorium, and I'm going to start wailing. They're going to put me in jail, but I'm just been in jail for Jesus, because I, I mean, some, we should get a little bit that way. If someone talked about your spouse or someone talked about someone you cared about, you'd be like, wait a minute, don't be talking about them that way. Right. Don't be talking about my Jesus. Right. That's a lie. Yeah. Well, isn't it in the Bible, Pastor? It is in the Bible. 30-second detour. It is in the Bible. But what you have to understand, there's a difference between what is in the Bible that is true and what is in the Bible that is truth. Yes. Peter was at a fire, and they said, aren't you one of his disciples? And he said, I don't even know the man. Is that true? It's true that he said it, but it's not truth what he said. Right, right, right. Because if you read the whole book of Job, you'll find later that Job repents for speaking of things that he did not understand. Secondly, if you want to know the heart of the Father, don't go to the oldest book. Look to the light of the sun. Yes. Jesus, Hebrews says, is the expressed image of the Father. Yes. 
Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus, Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing those who were oppressed of the devil. Jesus said, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Show me an example where Jesus went up to somebody and says, you know what? Your faith is so great. Be blind. Show me one place where Jesus said, I am so impressed how you've served me and loved me. You're going to have paralysis and be crippled the rest of your life. Show me one scripture where Jesus did that. And he's the expressed image, the visible image of the invisible God. And somebody somewhere took one, one obscure verse that is out of context and they've built religions on it and people are being beaten up by the enemy because they don't know what to believe because they built their life on the foundation that one day he might give it to me and one day he might take it back. And if you disagree with me, love me, and I'll love you, and we'll pray for each other. But it personally, it's my issue. I get mad at people when they talk about that. He li- gives and takes away. Show me that in the Bible through the light of Jesus. Not in there. Not in there. And yet so many people don't know. And it causes within Christians for us to live a passive, vulnerable life because we don't know who to fight. And it doesn't make any sense. If you believe God really is the source of your poverty, why do you go to work? You're fighting the will of God. If you really believe God's the source of your sickness, every pain medicine, every medication, every doctor's uh, visit, you need to repent afterwards and say, God, I'm sorry for fighting your will. It doesn't make sense. But somebody, somewhere, took a, a, yes, did Job say it? Yes, Job repented later for saying it. It's true, but it is not truth. His word is the truth. Even Peter says, let everything be established by two or three witnesses. There's some bad teaching. I get it. And you know how to know if it's, Bad if it's not producing fruit. Even the father who's the husbandman. The Bible says, Gospel of John, that my father is a husband, you're the guard, and anything that's not producing fruit will be uprooted. If it's not producing the, according to the line with the word of God, let's challenge it. Right. Amen. Yes. Galatians 6, be not deceived. God is not mocked. What a man sows, that shall he reap. That's, listen to me, church, that's just not about money. That is the key principle for you to operate, and it gives you the the advantage, it gives you the weapon, it gives you the tool that you can begin to detour the direction of your life. What is it saying? What you are investing in, you'll get a reaping harvest from. You can say it this way, what you feed grows, what you starve weakens. Don't feed your fear, feed your, your faith. Feed your mind the word of God. Don't feed just the doctor's report. I'm not saying denying that the doctor gave you a report, but don't live on that. Don't build on it. Begin to say, all right, God, what does your word say? And feed your mind, your heart, your spirit. The more you do it, the more you do it, the more. It's an investment. Nobody hands off a check to invest in a stock and come back later and say, how much money did I make today? You just invested yesterday. You got to keep investing and keep investing and keep, and the process of keep doing it in the process of time. 
faith and patience in the process of time, you will reap. It says it. Do not give up. Do not quit. Because in due season, you will reap if you do not faint. Don't let them tell you. There might be a system to keep you down, but don't let them tell you that you have to be under that system. The man's trying to keep me down. Maybe he is, but I know a greater man. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Rise up, Isaiah 60, and shine, for the glory of the Lord is risen up on you. We feed ourselves all the things of what we can't do and why we can't do it instead of getting in the Word. Right. I want to encourage you today. If there's areas of your life, that, and we've all have been exposed to stuff, bad experiences, bad, lack of teaching, bad teaching. But just be hungry for God, I want you. And show me things that need to be uprooted. I give you permission to uproot them out of my life. Yes. I don't want anything that would hinder you from operating in my life the way you want to operate in my life. I don't want to hinder anything that, everything you have for me, Father, I want it in my life. Yes. Not just when I get to heaven, I want it here on earth. I want to be able to demonstrate it. I want to display your goodness. I want to share it with other people. I want to impact the lives of people. I want to see a generation changed by what you are doing through me. Yes. Just not for me, but through me. Amen. If all we pray is, God, do something for me, we, we miss out the biggest part of the journey. And that's through us. Yes. But if he's doing it through you, he's also doing it for you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. If you believe that, give the Lord the biggest hand clap of praise. Next 30 seconds. Hallelujah. If you'd be so gracious and kind and bow your head and close your eyes, I want to close with a prayer. If you're here today and do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not asking if you know about God. I'm asking, do you know him in the way you process, in the way you experience, in the way you understand? Do you know him for yourself? In a way that you know he's real, that he's your Lord and Savior. That you know your sins are forgiven, that you're going to heaven. Revelation 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up, I'll come in. Romans says, with the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A short, simple prayer can make a powerful, eternal difference if it comes from your heart. Repeat this prayer with me. If you don't know him. I'm telling you, Jesus loves you so much, but he can't force you to get saved. And living in sin, living in me mediocrity, living the way the devil wants us to live, it's not worth it. You deserve better. God loves you so much. Wouldn't you like to lay your head on your pillow tonight and have a clean, clear conscience, the weight of sin off your shoulders? Say with me, Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he came to the earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me because I believe that. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship. 
with you. So I open up the door of my heart and life, and I invite you in. And I ask you to be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for saving me. Everyone said amen. amen. Everyone shouted amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand clap of praise.